Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Good morning, everybody. Hi, hello. Um, I'm so excited to be here and to be talking to you this morning. Um, So my name is Becky. I'm married to Tim. Um, And I have only been part of Ivy Academy for nine months. It feels like I've been here forever. Um, I just love this church so much. I think I'm allowed to say that, right? Even though I'm married to Tim. Like, I just love this church so much. I just love it. I love you guys so much. So I've been here for nine months. Um, and before that, I was in Preston. I was a youth worker in Preston. Um, I ran the youth club and my church. And I also did a lot in schools, um, sharing my faith in schools as well. Um, and now I'm in Manchester. I'm not doing that anymore. But I'm actually working for a band. Wow. Okay. Um, so I network for a Christian band and they go into school um, and they share faith. I'm way not cool enough to work for this band, right? Way not cool enough. But I am, I'm learning to rap. Yeah. So watch this space. Um, no, don't test it. <laughs> no, it's not going to come out. Okay. So this morning, my aim is to inspire you and to mobilize you. I believe that God wants to inspire you and he wants to mobilize you. So you ready? Okay, better be. Okay, awesome. So we're in this series called Discipleship to Leadership, and we're going to be looking at the five D's of discipleship. And we're going to start at the very start. So we're going to start with discover this morning, okay? And discipleship is following Jesus. It's being Jesus' apprentice, and it's going on this journey of following Jesus. But that has to start with discovering him, right? I discovered Jesus when I was 21, So I'd heard about him, I'd been to church, but I hadn't really realized that you could have a relationship with Jesus. I hadn't experienced the joy of having a relationship with Jesus. And after um, I studied um, biology in Sheffield, um, and after I graduated, I... I was just, I was spiraling a bit out of control and, and wasn't in the best place. And I knew I needed help. And I knew I needed someone to stretch out their hand and save me. And when I heard about Jesus, and when someone told me about him, I just felt a hope, a hope rise inside of me. That I suddenly had hope and suddenly have peace of I was allowing Jesus to have control of my life because I couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. And I ne- realized I needed someone. I needed him. But it didn't end there. It didn't end with me. It doesn't end with us because Jesus says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men, right? And just as we trust God with our lives and we know him more deeply, he sends us out from that place of knowing him, of discovering him. He sends us out. He sends us out to share that and give opportunities for other people to discover him. Because if you've discovered Jesus, If you know him, if you discovered him for yourself, then you are called to give others the opportunity to discover him. You are called to be signposts to the kingdom. You're called to be inviters into his kingdom. And when Jesus talks about church, he uses a Greek word called ecclesia. And this was used to, it was referred to with a group of people who were assigned by the king to go and do his purpose and go and advance his kingdom, to go and advance the Greek kingdom, right? 
And that's the same for us. We are called to expand his kingdom, to go and to be purposed to expand that. And to do that together, because God's kingdom is not a static place. It's not a geographical place, okay? It's, it's here. It's in us. It's in our grasp. It's amidst us. It's wherever the reign of Jesus is, that is his kingdom. And it says in the Bible, it's just as at hand. Like this iPad, is just, it's just in reach, right? It's just, I can just grab it. I can grab hold of it. The kingdom is right in our midst. It's at hand, so this is what I want to talk to you about today. I want, to, I want us to think about how we can help others to discover Jesus and what that looks like, because we're all different, right? And we all might do that in different ways. So we're going to be looking at a story from the Bible. So if you've got your Bibles, um, if you want to turn to Acts 17, all the words will come up on screen. So this is a story... Um, of Paul inviting others to discuss, discover Jesus. And just a bit of background. So Paul, he, was, he used to persecute Christians for their faith, yet he had a powerful encounter with Jesus. And now he is on a mission to allow others to discover him. So are we all ready? I'm going to read this. So while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. As he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there, a group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in tem temples built by human hands. And he is not served. He's not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. 
When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member of the Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. Awesome. So we find Paul in Athens, and he is alone in the intellectual and cultural capital of the ancient world. He's waiting for his friends um, to go somewhere else. Um, so he shouldn't have even been there. He wasn't planning on being there. So what did he do while he was here? How did he spend his time? So I want to explore that with you this morning. I want to talk about what Paul sees when he's there, um, how he feels about it, and what he does about it, okay? So first of all, what he sees. What does Paul see? Well, there's plenty to see in Athens. There is historical sites, there's architecture, there's art. Have you ever gone on a city break to Europe? There is lots to see, isn't there? But Paul was not interested in any of those things. He wasn't, he wasn't drawn in by the beauty and brilliance of those things. What he saw was a city full of idols. He saw idols being worshipped and taking glory from God. Because an idol is anything that substitutes the living God. Things or people which hold the place of God in someone's life. And Paul saw a city completely swamped by these, completely submerged by idols. In fact, there was more idols in Athens than there was in the rest of the country of Greece. There was temples and statues and shrines made of gold and ivory and bronze and all of these things. Paul observed, he considered, and he was troubled by this. And I wonder, I wonder what you see when you walk around this city that we live in, or wherever you call home. I wonder what you see um, when you drive to work in the morning, or you get the bus, or you work, walk to university, when you go for a meal, or you visit the shops. What, what do you see? On Monday, I made a real point of seeing. Um, so as I walked home, I was extra observant. I was like, right, God, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look. I'm going to see things. Um, and I would like to see them the way you see them, God. Um, so do you want to know what I saw? Okay. Um, so I saw, um, believe it or not, lots of people. But I mean lots, though. Like lots. I saw a lot of people. And there was all different nationalities, different cultures, different languages, and what I saw in these people, I saw community in these people. I saw friendship. I saw kindness. I saw romance. I saw a little girl give money to a homeless man. I saw students who were studying who are in this city because they have a desire to learn and because they want to make their lives count. I also saw that our city has a lot to offer. It has countless coffee shops and restaurants and fast food outlets and bars it has countless things to buy. I could buy anything if I wanted to. It has travel agents selling getaway breaks and recruitment offices, selling, um, with offering better jobs with better pay. And I also saw a lot of people on their phone. I concluded from this that there's a lot of people in this city. And God wants to do something in their lives. God might already be doing something in their lives. But yet they walk down Oxford Street and the invitations they get are not from, from us. They're not of Jesus. They're invitations to be this or do this or drink this or eat this. They're all invitations for short-lived things that are just going to go nowhere and leave them with a deeper sense of emptiness. 
And I resolve that, that they need an invitation to Jesus. And actually, I should be that person. I should be someone who's offering an invitation which is way better, way better than anything Oxford Street or anywhere else has to offer. So that's what I concluded. But what do you see? What are your conclusions when you look around? What is he asking you to do about it? So Paul saw a city swamped with idols. So how did he react to that? Okay, so in the passage, it says that he was greatly distressed. This could also be interpreted as irritated, provoked, angered, exasperated. It's not a sudden reaction to something, but it actually means a steady increase of emotion, a steady building of distress. And Paul was stirred as he saw people give glory and honor to idols which were only meant for God. That glory and honor was only meant for God. And the meaning of this word distress is actually really similar to the way that God reacts in the Old Testament when his people are worshipping idols. And scripture calls this, it calls this emotion jealousy. So it's not a type of jealousy which means that I'm threatened by someone else's beauty or brains. It's not that sort of jealousy. It's the jealousy that a wife might have if another woman creeps into her marriage. It's that sort of jealousy. God is jealous over our relationship with him. He is jealous of anything or anyone that comes between you and him. And that's because he loves us. That's because he desires to be intimate with us. And if you have not yet discovered Jesus, you need to know that God is jealous for you. You need to know that he loves you and he's jealous of the things that take your affection and attention away from him. Paul even says in the passage to the philosophers, God gives everyone life and breath and everything else. God is our source of life. He is the father who gives good gifts to his children. And he desires to have a relationship with us. And he's jealous of that. And he is inviting you, if you don't already know him, to discover him today, despite all the other invitations that you get on a daily basis. He's inviting you into a relationship with him. Paul also yearned, Paul also had this jealousy for the people of Athens to discover Jesus. So what did he do about it? Well, what he didn't do about it was just throw his hands up in despair and give up all hope. He didn't start wailing. He didn't start crying. He didn't curse or swear. He actually went and did something about it. He did something and he said something. So first of all, he spoke to the Jews and the Gentiles, didn't he, in the synagogue. He went there intentionally to the synagogue on the day of Sabbath. So what's the Jewish day of rest? And our equivalent to this um, today would be maybe a religious gathering, maybe something like this, maybe a Sunday morning. And Ollie shared last week about how important it is to talk about Jesus and share Jesus at church. Because as people, church being us, not, not this building, it's so easy for people to attend but not actually have discovered that or not have a relationship. And that's so important. Secondly, Paul, he went to the marketplace and he stopped whoever would listen to him, right? And he did this day by day by day by day. And our equivalent to this marketplace would most probably be our workplaces where we work, but it would also be parks and shopping centres, streets, coffee shops, pubs, nightclubs. 
And then thirdly, he spoke to the Epicurean philosophers. These are people who pursue pleasure and enjoyment in their life. And also the Stoic philosophers who they valued endurance and perseverance. He spoke to them at the Areopagus. That's, that just means a gathering of the guardians of the city. They were the guardians of the people who looked after the religion and the morals and the education of the city. So our equivalent to that today would be somewhere where people come from near or far to study. So that would be a university. Great, you're on it. Just checking you're listening. Um, it would be university, wouldn't it? Our modern day equivalent of that. Now notice that Paul approached a wide range of people. He used a wide range of approaches as he met people where they were. Notice that Paul is aware of their beliefs. So he quotes two pagan prophets um, as they know well. He knows what they believe. And he proclaims God in all of his fullness and reveals the nature of God. He reveals the nature of God to be the creator of the universe, the sustainer of life, the ruler of all nations, the father of all human beings, and the judge of the world. Some dismissed him. Some called him the lowest of the low and sneered at him. Some wanted to know more and they asked questions. And some people became followers and discovered Jesus. Now, I realize that we're not all like Paul. However, we do all have a mandate on our lives to speak up, to open our mouths and give other people an opportunity to discover that hope that we have found in Jesus Christ. Maybe we hold back from doing that. Maybe because we don't know how to. Maybe because we're afraid. And I, the first, when I first started sharing my faith, I was petrified. And probably still am a lot of the time, if I'm honest. But also, I thought when I first started sharing my faith, that it was like a one-size-fits-all approach. That there was just one way of doing it, and that was it. However, we're all so different. And we all are reaching different people in different contexts, in different walks of life. It's got to look different. And in the Bible, it talks about five different types of people. It talks about evangelists, shepherds, teachers, prophets, and apostles. So what I want to do now in this section of my talk, I want to explain these really briefly, um, these callings, and maybe you resonate with one or two of them. And I'm going to share a whole bunch of ideas of how you can share your faith from a place of being in that calling. And I want you to have in mind, as I'm going through, um, is this something I can do? Is this something I can engage with? Okay, you with me? Amazing. Okay, so firstly, an evangelist. So you will all know an evangelist if they have discovered something recently that they love and they have told you all about it. They love sharing things that they love and they want everyone to hear about it. And I wonder, is that you? Are you excited to share? And some ways that as an evangelist, you could think about sharing quite creatively um, would be posting verses on Instagram or Facebook. Okay, sounds super simple. So I challenged myself um, two weeks ago to post a verse every single day for two weeks. Um, I didn't quite, I, I missed a few days, but don't check my Instagram. Um, however, um, honestly, I was pretty scared about this. Um, 
And the reason I was scared is because I had one particular person in the back of my mind who if she, she saw them, she would just react really badly. And I was scared, but I did it anyway. Um, because actually there was plenty of other people who need to hear those verses. And I tried to find those verses that were about discovering Jesus, that were about salvation in him. And then I went one step further. Because then I checked who'd like them. And then I checked who didn't know Jesus out of that list. And then I just like awkwardly messaged them and said, hey, um, why did you like my post? Super awkward, right? However, they didn't think it was awkward. Like, they just chatted to me. I was like, oh, wow, this is great. So I had three amazing conversations over Instagram about faith. And one of them, that is exciting. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> it's super exciting. Um, one conversation even led to um, someone wanting to go to church. Um, and I was able to direct them to an amazing church in Preston. Amazing. Well, don't clap me, but you can do this too, right? Okay, so um, another way. Um, so we have these OMG cards. These are tracks. Um, and these are really handy ways of explaining the gospel. And they go through, um, oh my God. Um, and you can give them out. You can share them with your friends or your family or give them out to strangers. And this is a really easy way of sharing your faith. Joel, you're going to get a handout of these. As he's taking photos. Yeah, yeah. Um, and next, we have um, a Wednesday outreach group that goes out every single Wednesday, um, offering to pray for people on campus. And this is a, this is a fab way of sharing our faith as an evangelist. Um, these people go out and they have fantastic conversations, but there's also quite a few rejections, right? But they go out boldly and obediently every single week. And if you want to join that, you can um, chat to Tim about that. Also, be creative um, with the name of your fantasy football team. Yep, you heard right. Um, okay, so fantasy football teams are normally, apparently, quite rude or crude. Um, but actually, Luke, um, who's not here with us today, he named his team Luke's Lord Lovers. How epic is that? I love that so much that he just found any way to get across Jesus. He just made such a statement. So why not think about creative ideas like that? So evangelists are excited to share their faith, right? That doesn't mean that they're the only ones who can, because we can too. So next are shepherds. So shepherds are people who really, really care for people. They draw people in and they love them. And I wonder if that is you. And some really practical ways to share Jesus with people um, would be to offer to pray for someone who shares something that they're struggling with. Or be honest about the struggles that you go through and how God is helping you. Text friends and family asking them, is there anything I can pray for? Or tell them you're praying for them. I do this quite regularly with my non-Christian friends. I tell them I'm praying for them. Um, and maybe they don't engage in a, in a big faith conversation, but I know that they know that I'm praying for them. And that paves a way into a deeper conversation later on, and they might ask a prayer about something. Another idea is writing a Bible verse and a friend's birthday card. A friend gave me this idea. She said it was spot on, the verse that she shared with her friend. Um, set up a prayer request box in your workplace. So our very own Alex had this fab idea that he put in his workplace, a prayer request box. Check with everyone whether that was all right. And he got prayer requests through. Um, 
and he, and he saw answers to prayer, but then it kind of got put to one side and, and it was out of sight, out of mind. Yet just last week, his boss asked him if he, if, if the prayer request box was still happening, because could he pray about a certain situation that she was going through, which is so amazing. And then also we have, um, so Fusion have these awesome cards um, called DMC cards. Uh, I love these cards so much because they're all questions about starting deep and meaningful conversations. So whether you use these cards or get ideas from these cards, these are great to ask questions and start a deeper conversation with your friends or with your family members. Okay, awesome. So let's move on to teacher. Um, so teachers are people who love to learn and they love to share what they're learning and they're really good at explaining things. And I wonder if that is you. So some really practical ways of sharing would be to write a blog. Um, so share what you're learning, share it with the world. Um, why not read the Bible somewhere public? Um, so this might sound a bit silly, um, but I did it um, in Asda Coffee Shop, um, and I was reading the Bible, um, and the waitress came over, um, gave him a cup of tea, and said, hey, what are you reading? Um, and I had this amazing conversation with her about the Bible. She even went off to do a job to come back to continue this conversation that we had about the Bible, which was just awesome that she could see that. And just made me think about also like saying grace in restaurants, like that's such a huge witness that that could start conversations where you could just chat to the waitress and offer to pray for her too. Memorize verses to share. Um, so I think this is really important. So we don't, when we share our faith, we don't share our own ideas. We're sharing the truth. Um, so it's really important for us to know the truth um, and memorize it um, because that word has authority. Um, and after all, teachers can't share what they don't know already. Um, also, studying scripture, thinking about how you can share it with a non-Christian. So we were challenged recently by someone who said they would read scripture and they would work out and reflect in their mind how they would share that with someone um, to, to help them discover Jesus. And they would work out how that passage could lead someone to Jesus, like if they had one minute, if they had three minutes, and if they had 10 minutes to share that. Like super practical. But then it's in the back of your head and you can just pop. You have it. And this also prevents us from becoming spiritually fat, that we just read the Bible for our own sake. Yeah, but we do. And, and, but we can share it. We have it in us to learn from and we can share it. Um, okay, so next is prophets. So prophets, they have a desire to hear from God and they fight for justice. And I wonder if that is you. So some practical ways we can engage the prophetic in evangelism would be simply asking God for a particular word or image or verse that he wants us to share with that person. And this ties in to also listen to the Holy Spirit. Maybe he's prompting you um, to do something or say something. Um, and at Christmas, one of our friends, um, she was prompted after taking um, her friend to a Christmas um, carol service to come um, over to Tim and I's flat. Um, and she brought her non-Christian friend and we had an amazing conversation with him um, and he actually became a Christian because of that conversation and he was able to go back in Saudi Arabia um, as a Christian because she had decided to listen to the Holy Spirit and act on it and go yes I'm going to say yes to this which is amazing right um, awesome. So also praying and sharing dreams. So my friend had a dream recently for her Muslim friend that she believed was from God. She was bold. She shared it. Um, and it was spot on for that person, which is amazing. Prophets are also often really creative. They love, um, 
they look, yes. And I love that we have so many creative people at this church who are writing songs, who are writing poems, who are doing all of these things that encourage others to see Jesus, discover Jesus and share their faith. And even using artwork. So one of our students, Katie, she studies art and a lot of her canvases that she's shown me just display God. She's like, this is this about God, this about God, this about God. And isn't it awesome that she gets to show her course mates and her tutors, this is why I did this, because actually I know God and you can know him. And that's what this artwork represents. Um, also, finally, on profit. So they have a real heart for justice. And I love that Rosie, um, she set up um, years ago um, a weekly prayer group for the local massage parlor, which that prayer has then resulted in them having conversations in that massage parlor and helping those girls to discover Jesus. Um, and what other projects could you set up that are on your heart um, to fight for justice and allow others the opportunity? So finally, apostles. So apostles love exciting adventures, right? They love pioneering new things. Um, I wonder if that's you. So some ideas that we can embrace apostleship would be um, to get some people together to go on a mission. So what opportunities do you see to share your faith that haven't been leaned into yet? Where could you pioneer something new? To, because to reach people that no one is reaching, we need to do something that no one else is doing. Also, um, how about starting a prayer group in your university or your workplace? Um, so I love that Roscoe, um, he connected with a Christian recently um, in his workplace, um, and God gave him the vision to set up a prayer meeting with them. Um, so he emailed out, found more Christians in his workplace, and they um, have seen some really specific answers to prayer since they've started that. Also, Chloe and Juliet, two of our students, they um, felt prompted to start a prayer group um, for their course to allowing a safe space to chat about faith and their struggles and, and pray. Um, and out of 30 people on their course, they see seven or eight people every single week come to that. Um, and because of that prayer group, also, one of the lads discovered Jesus and he got baptized also. So that was part of that, which is yeah, just amazing. Um, and what I learned from chatting to these guys is God's timing is all over these things as well. Because Chloe and Juliet tried to push this thing before Christmas and it just it didn't happen where to this year. It just happened really naturally. And also Roscoe is finding it hard to connect people when they're busy and he's trusting God with the right timing of, of when that prayer group should actually flourish and be set up properly. Um, and finally, um, starting an alpha or a Bible study group with your friends. Um, so Luke and Laura, um, they've been chatting to their non-Christian friends for two and a half years now, um, opening up conversations and answering their questions and praying for them. And they decided two and a half years later to, to, to find a space that was dedicated to them sharing faith, to watch an alpha video together, to share food. And that's just resulted in some really amazing, deep conversations. And they've been able to be really vulnerable with each other. Phew. Okay. Um, <laughs> so there are a few ideas. Okay. Are we feeling empowered yet? Yeah, you better be. Um, so when you, that's not even all of it, right? Because you're going to get a handout when you leave with even more ideas on it that I want you to take one of these. Okay. Um, and also there's going to be loads of these. We've got hundreds of these. So I want you to take these to give out. Um, there's also, I'm sure, I'm sure Joe would sell you some of these um, as well. And there's also, um, this is a really awesome document that um, 
helps you understand your freedoms legally in the workplace and on the streets to share. This is really, really helpful. So I'd recommend these. These are at the Get Involved stand afterwards. And also anyone I've spoken about, um, they're, they're really up for chatting to you as well. If you, not that they've got all the answers, but they really want to engage with that. And if you are inspired by any of those ideas, go and chat to those people. If you don't know who they are, come and grab me. Um, so finally... I want to encourage you to have a go. I really hope that you feel inspired and empowered to do this. I want to inspire you to have a go, to grab opportunities, to get creative and be bold. And people, they will respond differently to this and that's okay. Just as Paul experienced at the end of that passage, some people, they sneered at him. Some people, they, they wanted to know more. They were asking questions and some people actually believed. We can trust God with all of those responses that he will allow them to bear fruit. He will allow the seeds to be planted in the right way at the right time. And our job is to, by the help of the Holy Spirit, to be bold, to be obedient, and to give opportunities and invitations for people to discover Jesus. What would it look like for you? What would it look like for you to walk around and see things the way that God sees them? What would it look like for you to have the Father heart of God and to feel how he feels about the people you interact with? And what would it look like for you to react to that, to give opportunities? What would it look like? What's your next step? So I just want to take a moment and we're going to pray. Father, I thank you that you have made yourself discoverable to us. That by Jesus dying on a cross and coming back to life, that made a way for us to have a relationship with you, that we can discover you, that we can know the joy and delight and sweetness of knowing you, of discovering you. And I thank you, Lord, that you then have a mandate on our lives and you give us purpose from that place. And as we come to know who we are in you and our identity as children of God, you send us out, Lord. You send us out into a broken, dying, hopeless world, Lord, where there's so many invitations to other things. Yet we have an invitation into a relationship with you. That is the best decision that anyone could ever make, Lord. So help us. Help us to see things differently. Help us to have your heart, Lord. Help us to, to react, to grab opportunities, Lord, even if it's not any of these things I've mentioned, but just whatever it is, Lord Jesus, to always, always just be able to invite people into the kingdom of God because we know it is the most amazing thing. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.